You are listening to the Legal Community Podcast, hosted by Guy Remond and Dave Zampano, powered by Guider. Guider provides self-service online legal documents supported by your local attorney. Fast, affordable, and in your own time. For more information and resources, please visit guider.legal and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Legal Community Podcast. I'm Lisa Rozier, and today I have Guy Raymond with me. Hi, Guy. Hey, Lisa. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. It's the Guy and Lisa show today for the next 20 minutes. I hope all of our listeners are excited to hear what we have to talk about. A marketing person paired with a tech person. Watch out. <laughs> hey, what, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So I wanted to talk about how technology has just absolutely invaded the workplace from any type of business and specifically because this is the legal community podcast, law firms, what we're seeing across the board in all different legal industries and businesses side, just how much there's still people pushing pen to paper and haven't embraced technology. And then those that have gotten on the bandwagon and are loving it. It's a really interesting one. You know, my background as you know, you're aware, maybe some of the listeners who have listened to previous podcasts are aware is tech. I am a a self-confessed geek and, you know, I love anything technology and the technology sector actually is always the first to adopt the, the latest and greatest kind of offerings that are out there. And my company was was absolutely no different because our mindset is geared towards it. We kind of get it and we're always going to be the first to adopt these new ideas and concepts, aren't we? But I want, what I thought I'd do is I just thought I'd go back historically, talk about the kind of things that we were involved in building as a software company, just very briefly to give people some context. And then roughly when the timescales as to when we started adopting some of these kind of technologies and, and using them both professionally and, and personally. And what I want to get from that really is to give people a sense of perspective as to, you know, how long some of these things have been out, you know, out there in the marketplace and, and how good they've become compared to what they were when they first came out, you know, yeah, but I've already said that, you know, as a tech guy in a tech company, we were always the first to adopt these things and we adopted and benefited from them in the early days when they had far less features than they have now. So it's even more worthwhile now in my view, but kind of just rolling back the clock a bit. My company was called Cape Solutions, formed in 2001, and we specialized in building really complex backend systems for big companies, really. And, you know, one of our first big clients was a government department, the Department of Trade and Industry, and also a sort of private company called Money Supermarket. And Money Supermarket, you guys will have this type of thing over in the States. It, it's the number one price comparison website in the UK. Oh, okay. Very cool. Yeah. So if you go on there and you want to find the, the best value broadband, or you want to find the best, best mortgages or the best credit cards or the best bank accounts, you name it, you can go on this site and you can, you know, motor insurance is another popular one, home insurance. You can go on and get quotes. And, you know, the way that these price comparison services work is that they are connected to thousands and thousands of companies that provide quotes. So you go on and you say, okay, look, I'm in the market, you know, I've just bought a new car. I've got a nice shiny Model 3 Tesla as an example. And, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and we, you know, we helped this company in the UK build this back-end system with all complexities that it has. So that's the kind of thing that we did. 
But actually, you know, then personally, I used to use the service to get my car insurance, to get my house insurance, to get the best value broadband connection I could get, the best value mobile phone and that kind of thing. So, you know, I was a you know professional in the fact that we built these things, but I was also a consumer. And I remember probably 2006 to 2008, roughly that period, Google introduced Google Apps. It might have had a different name, but mm-hmm. it was basically the, the Gmail clients, the calendar, and a really rudimentary kind of document store. And we were very early adopters of the this kind of service which you consumed in a browser on the internet. And it was great. You know, you didn't have to install software on your computer anymore. Right. And, you know, and, and that kind of led the way. And over the next 15 years, you know, there are tens of thousands, I would imagine now, different options for software that you you run through your browser and you no yep. longer have to install on your computer and you know the, all the benefits that brings and i'll just kind of list a couple of them and then i'll let you get away in edgeways you know for a start the bigger companies will back up all your data so you don't have to worry about having that usb stick that you used to have to stick into your laptop or the the backup drives you used to have to install in your server room and all that kind of stuff. So there's, you know, they've taken all that pain away because they store the data in multiple locations around the world so that it's always A, safe. And, you know, if a disaster happens to one of the data centers, it's backed up in two or three other data centers kind of thing. So your data's safe and your data's secure. So that's a really big tick in the box. Most of these services, you either pay monthly or annually. You've probably got a choice. If you pay annually, you normally get a bit of a discount. If you pay monthly, you might pay overall a little bit more over the year. But the beauty of being able to pay monthly or even annually is that these aren't long contracts anymore. You haven't invested thousands and thousands of dollars in a piece of software that you've had to install on one of your servers and pay an IT person to then make sure that they're run, they're updated and all that kind of thing. You know, you just pay for it monthly. Now, the beauty of that is that if their service drops, you can go to the competitor really quite easily, actually. Mm -hmm. You can download the data because it's your data and you can re-upload it into this new service. And it's relatively easy to do that kind of thing nowadays, whereas years ago, that was really tough. And because the software doesn't sit on your servers, it's responsibility of the company providing that service for you. That's why it's called software as a service. They update it. You don't have to worry about updating the software. You don't have to have the the IT guy that sits in that very dark server room that you kind of chuck a bit of pizza in occasionally to keep him going and that kind of thing. So there's loads of benefits to it. Now, I mean, I could go on and on, but I'll imagine that. Let, let, I, I would actually take a tag. And Dave, I would love, we're talking about how technology has invaded businesses and law firms. And I just gave us a summary of like the history, right? And I'm going to jump in and just talk from a marketing standpoint. And then Dave, I'd love to hear from you in terms of your perspective of how technology has invaded law firms. But from a marketing perspective, you know, when I first started, I remember websites weren't being built. Matter of fact, did you see the note that Internet Explorer is officially going away? So yeah, like, how about that one? But way back when I remember looking at a website and saying, man, that'd be really cool to put a television commercial on a website, right? And now fast forward, here we are, and it just goes with the times. But also from a marketing perspective, how much technology has invaded that world and for businesses. 
CRMs are huge. You have a plethora of different things and they can help you manage the workload that's coming in and out of your business. You have email marketing services all over the place that help you correspond and nurture and talk to people in a heck of a lot more efficient and cost effective way than just running a, you know, six o'clock commercial the, the better call Saul kind of strategy back in the day. So there's a lot of different things that I've seen from a marketing perspective of how technology has invaded businesses. I mean, even at the point now where intranets are huge, businesses have so much paperwork that they have to push through. And now, especially with businesses having their employees remote all over the place, having that internal intranet to correspond with employees and all of that stuff, it has just absolutely helped helped in growth, right? And I think another thing that we've talked about in previous podcasts was Zoom. Zoom existed way before the pandemic. Lawyers of purpose use Zoom all the time. People would be reluctant to get out of Zoom meeting. And then the pandemic hit and we have our grandparent that 85 years old doing Zoom with their grandkids. So it's just been amazing how technology has really invaded businesses. And it's been interesting to see the lag also of people embracing technology. Have have either of you witnessed any of that or talked to people that are scared of Lisa, technology invasion? <laughs> Lisa, Lisa, come on. You work with lawyers every day and you're asking that question. Uh, I'm opening it. I'm opening it up for you, Dave. Jump on. You know, so guys, the geek, the tech geek and loves to talk about this stuff. I'm the opposite. I'm not technically proficient. I mean, I use a computer and I do a lot of things and I have, you know, I love the technologies that, you know, I can access everything from my phone and things of that nature. But I will tell you is, you know, <laughs> as much as I've done personally and seen, I'm still pretty ineffective and inefficient in how to use it, how to set it up. If it's not simple prompts, then that's then it's probably not going to happen for me. So I think that's one comment I would make is the simplicity of it now. Right. Everything's a single click and it does all the rest for you. Now, let me tell you some of the things more because I'm not the geek. And this is really not even because I'm the lawyer. This is let's let's just look at I don't understand this and maybe Guy can explain it. At the end of the day, somebody's accountable for all this stuff somewhere. And the question is, who controls who has access to who's accountable, right? And I know there's networks and firewalls, blah, blah, blah. And I say blah, 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 because every day you're reading in the newspaper about the U.S. government that's been hacked. This one's been hacked. 10 million emails have been hacked. 10 million social security numbers. I mean, I've gotten notification and they show me. It's a page. Here's your social security number. Here's all your passwords. And I mean, I get it. I, I mean, I get these emails and it says, Dave, just so you know, this is what's on the black web with you. It tells my social security number, my date of birth. It tells all these things. So there, there's this other side of all of this is where is it? How does it get protected or controlled? Or what happens when the power goes out? <laughs> right. Are people, I mean, I was talking to some very good friends of mine who's an elementary school teacher and she said, when the kids came back to school post-COVID, they physically, the young ones in particular, second grade, first grade, they could not physically talk to each other. They did not have any of the social skills. Their heads were buried in their computers. And having to learn from a teacher was actually work for many of them. So it's, it's an interesting concept. Like what would happen if the power goes out? What would happen if the firewall gets penetrated? You know, what say you guy or at least I know you had some thoughts on it, maybe. Yeah. So I'm just going to 
first and foremost, and guy, you could take it for an end user or for someone who has a business. When you look in your web browser and you see HTTPS, you need that. If you don't have the HTTPS before anything that has to do with doing something online inside the business or external, raise your hand, go find your web person, your IT person and say, get me that S. That's a secured server. <laughs> so SSL uh -huh. certificate, it's important to have for protecting people's information. I mean, we've really become but dependent. Uh, I mean, literally, I think life, I don't know if people would know how to how to make well, a reservation. Or, it, it, <laughs> businesses need to understand yeah. Those, yeah. those things, right? So if they have an internal CRM where they're doing all data input, they have to make sure that it's secured. If they have a website and people are putting data input through their website, it needs to be secured. In terms of all the other questions, I'm going to tag Guy because I'm just the marketing person. He's the tech guy. <laughs> well, listen, I'm, I'm, this is quite a philosophical and potentially three-hour-long podcast. and we have... <laughs> With everything that you, you guys have just been talking about. So I'm, I'm going to try and do it really succinctly, okay? So, I mean, listen, I, every, anything in life, there's, there's risk, right? You know, you, if you've got it on a piece of paper, you can leave it on the train. If you've got it on a laptop, you might leave it on the aeroplane. Someone might steal it, you know? There's security issues in anything you do, however you do it. And I'd argue that digital security should be far more secure than the previous manual methods of leaving stuff in a filing cabinet, leaving it on your desk, posting it. You know, that always makes me laugh when you have to put a wet signature on something, then you post it, that anyone can intercept that piece of paper and do what they want with it and then post it on to the person it was meant to re receive to. So... Digital is inherently more secure than any other thing that we do. So let's not lose sight of that because that's a great perspective, guy. Media, you don't think about that. You know, you don't think about the risk we have. I mean, getting in our car, but I mean, piece of paper, writing, misplacing the file, leaving it on the train. I mean, yeah, I, I guess, I guess there that is inherent in most everything we do. I think there's some basic stuff you can do that everybody should do. You know, I'm, I'm not going to put you guys on the spot, but you know, many years ago. I had about three different passwords for everything that I did. And that's crazy, right? Because if someone gets hold of one of those passwords on the dark web, Dave, as you, you mentioned, because you know there's been some security breach in one of the systems that you've subscribed to, then you know not only do they have access to that one system, which on its own probably wouldn't have caused you that many issues, but it gives them access to all the other stuff that you've used the same password for. So the single most basic thing you can do is have secure passwords for every single system that you use. And they're all different and they all contain multiple characters and probably somewhere between, you know, 13 and 18 characters. And for most people, that's really hard to do because no one can remember those things. I can't. So what you use is you use one of the password pieces of software you can get, which stores encrypted. It stores all your passwords in there. And the only password you've got to remember, the only one you've got to remember and make that secure is the one that allows you to get into it. Now, what happens is that you have this piece of software on every device you've got. So whenever you go into a website, you've got to hand the password for that particular website or that particular system. All my passwords are 18 characters long, have all sorts of different, you know, like the colons and the numbers and the uppercase, the lowercase, all those kind of things that you need nowadays. So if anyone ever manages to get hold of one of my passwords, the only thing at risk is that one system. 
Now, the other thing that most systems do as well is, and it's my final point, Lisa, is they have something called two-factor authentication. Now, what that means like is that. that, yeah, and as well as your password, it has a, another way to check that you are who you say you are. So quite often it'll be, they'll send a, a particular number to your email address that you can only check. Or your or, phone, yeah. Or your phone, or it'll send you a text or whatever. So, you know, then you all you do is key that code in. So you've got your password and you've got that code. Now that makes it really difficult for anyone to, to crack. So I think if you just have those two precautions in place, yeah. Um, make sure if the system offers two-factor authentication, you have it turned on. You know, the one I use, and shameless advert for this company now, because I really like it, it's really cool. It costs me a few pounds a month. It's called Dashline, D-A-S-H-L-I-N-E, Dashline. And it keeps all my literally hundreds, maybe even thousands of passwords now secure. And they're all really long, hard to, almost impossible to crack passwords. That, Unless that they crack your you. password, the dash line, then they have all your passwords. Well, it's impossible. I mean, I was going to say, right. Guy, that was my question is for our listeners out there. They're going, oh, my gosh, what's he talking about? So you use that product. I use one password. Same That's same the other great, yeah, 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 yep. great, yep. great. So there's a lot of great. Well. You know what the problem is? Someone else wants to access it or I'm not on my device. And then it says, what's your password? I have no idea because it's all automatic and it's all blanked out every time I open it. So I don't even know the passwords to give them away or to access it on another. Like if I'm on my cell phone or if I'm on my laptop. But the problem is if I open up on my laptop the first time and then I want to access it on my cell phone, I have to remember the password because it's a different device. So it's really interesting. But I, I think this whole thing. You yeah, don't, that's, Dave, that, sorry to interrupt for the listeners purposes. If you've got this one password that Lisa talks about or Dashline that I talked about that holds all your passwords, you have that available on all your devices through the browser or as an app on your phone or on your tablet or whatever, then you don't have to remember a password ever again, apart from the one that operates, the really important one that operates. I got to take, I got to take a 10 minute course on this stuff, you know, that's my attention span with it. I know. But the other thing that I want to tie back to is that we're talking about how technology has invaded businesses and law firms in particular, just like Guy and myself, we have our own password protector. Businesses should have them as well for so many reasons. Yeah. And your one person has the master key to everything, but this is a best practice that should be implemented within any type of business. Yeah. The, yeah, the- absolutely. And the software we've mentioned, Lisa, has commercial versions available where you can assign access to particular users and, you know, again, like you say, that allows businesses to protect themselves as well, which is really important. So I, I 100% agree with that. Yeah. From a business owner's perspective, specifically law firm perspective, talk to me about what you've seen through the years of when you first started and then the first step of technology, how it invaded the law firm to where it is now. You know, was it was the fax machine a piece of the technology? Yeah, you know, was it's it funny you say that. Addresses? Uh, what, what was it? I'm in my 30th year, so that, that puts me back into the early 90s. You know, when technology, I mean, I went through college without a computer. We didn't have computers right. in college. I got my first computer in law school, and that was all text-type computer. Like, you can use I used, it. It basically became my typewriter, right? It was, like, really cool. I didn't have to rewrite things 50 times. But I remember when the cell phone came out, and the concern with lawyers speaking outside of their office, you know, I mean, this is how the world evolves. And then text messaging, you can't, you know, God forbid you text to a, to a group 
text that has some client confidential information. Then yes, the facsimile came out. And then it was actually, you could probably rewind and hit the play button. And the words were probably exactly the same what they say about the internet. How do you know that's safe? How do you know people can't take that? <laughs> this right, and that that's kind of all the. I mean, I remember the first law firm I went to work with, they had one of those things for a copier. I don't know if you remember this. It was a carbon that you put on a drum and you hand cranked the drum to print copies of something. I mean, that tells you, <laughs> you know, that was life at one point not too long ago, right? Yeah, uh, facsimiles. And then, oh man, when the internet came, really went crazy. And and still to this day, one of the greatest things that happened really was COVID. Now, people are going, they want to shoot me. No, no, this, I've said it on this podcast a, a hundred times. It shut the world down, but it opened up our future. One was Zoom, Lisa. But the other thing is it did is it got the courts <laughs> to, the courts were transitioning anyway, but it raised the level, for example, digital notarization now. DocuSign, being able to have documents authenticated. The next thing, I think the next awesome thing is going to be blockchain, right? And again, whole nother conversation. I see guys' eyes pop open, but blockchain is an authenticity. And so what happens is how do you do digital wills, digital trust? You're going to do those through blockchain because blockchain has a footprint. And again, Guy can explain it, probably not in the time we have, but that blockchain technology is going to allow us as lawyers to have authentication, actually probably more than a signature, meaning, you know, a signature could be forged and things of that nature, but blockchain could be authenticated from its inception. So I think there's a lot of exciting things ahead that will actually make us even more secure. And the idea of a lost will, will be gone because, you know, we don't have to find out what lawyer dad met 40 years ago that we forgot. Nobody ever talked about. So we can't find the will. It'll be in a digital storage space. Everything will be accessible on your phone. There's great things ahead that'll make life easier in the legal field. And it's already there. And I got to tell you, Guider, Guy, you and I know this from, from building and, and rolling that out. It's difficult for lawyers to grasp, you know, delegating their practice to technology, but now we've even been able to do that. And that's a new first in the industry. So it keeps moving. It doesn't really care what we think. It doesn't care what the world thinks. It, it keeps going to where the people drive it. Absolutely. We're getting ready to wrap up. Any final thoughts or comments, Guy, on any of us? Yeah, I mean, I just encourage all law firms, as well as the stuff Dave's talked about, and I'm not going to repeat that, to look at things like running their business with the, the SaaS products, SaaS stands as software as a service products. So, you know, if you've got a larger law firm and you want to control your people and all the documents that they have to provide. So the HR software as a service products, there's loads of those. You've mentioned the CRMs, Lisa, and the marketing tools are just phenomenal. Yeah. They will change your business overnight. Yeah. And introduce one of these things at a time. And there's just no excuse not to to do it nowadays. And quite frankly, honestly, any, I mean, I'm going to quote Peter Diamond, this is my final comment. Any firm that isn't either tech-led or a tech firm themselves in the next 10 years won't be here. It's as simple as that. Everything is going to become a tech company. Everything is going to be a tech company. They say it now. Everything's a tech company. Amazon's a tech, tech company. They're, you know, they're, everybody's a tech Well, it'd be tech-led as well. You know, I mean, yeah. when, when I say tech-led, I mean that, you know, all your systems are digital. You control the business. You run your business using these these systems because they make you much more efficient. Your competitors will be doing it. And quite frankly, if you're not, then I honestly think 10 years' time, 
you'd be like the dinosaurs. You'll disappear off the face. I don't. Of the e- I don't even know if it'll be ten years, guy. I, I, I really, the way the speed, everything's moving, it's cruising. Yeah, it's a, it's a slow death day. You know, it's yeah. it's you'll you'll lose business. You'll become less competitive over time. And it's a, you know, a, a death by a thousand lashes. Kind well, of I thing, think it's know? like Lisa said, uh, well, Internet, Internet Explorer shut down, right? Finally, there's an example where they finally kill something old and, and force everybody now into the newer versions. Yeah. Yeah. I want to capitalize on something you just said as well, Guy, is one step at a time. So our listeners are probably overwhelmed right now going, oh, my God, there's so many things I need to do. Listen, <laughs> one step at a time. Set your goals. Make it one little thing and and you put yourself in the right direction. Don't let this being overwhelmed. Sometimes you got to tap out and find your who's to get you to where you need to be. And that's OK. So, you know, technology, it's coming. It's invading. It's all over. So find your who's. Yeah, yeah. And we're there. I mean, like you said, at least 85 year olds are doing it. And yeah. if 85 year olds can do it. And two you know, I, I always talked about my mother, you know, born in 1925, grew up in her father's business. She took the business from there, retired at 65. And when she, she was 85, 86, and 87, she was selling on eBay. Yeah. I mean, it, and this is 10 years ago. So it evolves. Everything evolves. All right. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for a great conversation. For our listeners out there, if you want to get in on the conversation with Guy, Dave, or myself about anything tech-related, law-related, give us a tap on the shoulder. We'll love to have you on our show. And for additional episodes, please log on to guider.legal to listen to Legal Community Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to the Legal Community Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Visit us at guider.legal for more information and please review and share this show. We'll see you next time.